boogie woogie rock and rollers. This is the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sadistic movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian and Elvis adjacent impersonator. Mm. I only impersonate people who impersonate Elvis. Interesting. And with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, film critic for the Sacramento News and Review and member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, you dare us to watch the most unwatchable films and we review and rate them. Either a dare for your run-of-the-mill bad films. Uh, those truly atrocious movies get a double dare and we give a reverse dare to critically despised movies that are actually pretty good. Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the beer you poured for us tonight? Yeah, so the beer I'm pouring tonight is from Revision Brewing. Uh, they're out of Sparks, Nevada. Northeast-style hazy IPA, as the name implies, it is hazy. Gold color, white head, uh, very tropical flavor to it, uh, very citrus-heavy. Pretty delicious, I would say. All of that should help numb the pain inflicted by this week's dare, Dustin Marcelino's 2014 atrocity, the identical. Everyone knows that the great rock star Elvis Presley's twin brother died during childbirth. What the identical presupposes is, maybe he didn't? I know a lot of songs, and I'll sing every one of them until you say yes. Kid, the jig's up. Here comes the heat. Might this be the disturbing the peace call? You called the cops on me? Oh, I didn't call them. And why are there always police involved with you and me? Officer, look. I ain't going anywhere until this girl agrees to go out on a date with me. Or you arrest me. The charming stalker you heard in that clip is Ryan Wade, struggling musician and preacher's son, pitching woo outside the window of his star-crossed crush, Jenny. Ryan is played by first and probably last time actor Blake Rain, who also assumes the dual role of Blake's long-lost twin brother, Drexel The Dream Hemsley. Yeah, as you said, uh, Bla- what's his name? Blake Rain. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's his real name. But Blake Rain got the role uh, in this little scene film because he was a real-life Elvis impersonator, and he looks just like Elvis. And according to IMDb, he said the script sounded like his own life story, which, when you consider the events of the film, is quite troublesome. If you watch this movie, how the fuck is that possible? There was a lot of baby swapping going on in the Blake Rain household. That is really troublesome. Not to mention the fact that it, it, one of the characters <laughs> dies in the movie. <laughs> Just like his own life story. And this was his one and only credit on IMDb. Same Correct. with the director, Dustin Marcelino. His one and only credit. But considering Blake's many connections to Elvis as an impersonator, as someone who looks just like him and who apparently lived the life of Ryan Wade and Drexel the Dream Hemsley, it brings us to a key question about the film. I, this is something that, you know, when we first mentioned this movie to our producer, Johnny, uh, we could not easily answer. So I'm going to pose it to you, yeah. and we'll talk about it on the air. Is this an Elvis movie? Is this a movie about Elvis? Is Elvis in it? This movie is Elvis adjacent. Elvis adjacent. That's what this. If yeah. I was selling this movie as a uh, as a house, I would say it's Elvis adjacent. Yeah, it exists in a world where people have heard of Elvis and Elvis music happens, <laughs> but you get to experience none of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not an Elvis movie in the fun clam bake style. Certainly not. No, and it's not about Elvis, although he is brought up in this movie and his influence is seen in it. And there are. Tons of little connections, obviously the rock star connection, um, but also the fact that Elvis, like you said, he did have a stillborn twin brother. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, there's a fake stillborn death, which is just charming. 
He looks just like him. Uh, the army service of Ryan Wade, the early death, the obsession with his mother and her early death. It mirrors Elvis's life. There's a lot of things in there, but why? And I guess also why? <laughs> the eternal question. Why? <laughs> but yet why? Why? Just why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, this movie? It's it, quite poorly made. It is. It's obviously very low budget, despite the presence of a, a couple of stars. It's got some stars in it. It, it has Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd um, as Ryan Wade's parents. Um, but it's it's very... It's perplexing. It, it's difficult to understand where Elvis fits into this. There's a very strong religious angle, and it's hard to understand where that fits into it. And all in all, I would say, and I think you'll agree, it was very poorly written and directed. Very poorly written and directed. <laughs> and certain scenes are just baffling in their construction. The the sort of editing construction of it, but then also the logical construction of, like, why are these people at this place at the same time? And, like, how could you forgive him for this absolutely unforgivable thing? So, yes, maybe we should go to the beginning. Yeah. Which so is in... 1970. We cannot ignore the opening of this movie. (laughs) This movie opens on a limo rolling on a lonely stretch of road through cotton fields. Absolutely. A Chiron says Decatur, Alabama, 1972. Yes. The next Chiron shows a man in the back of a limousine. This is our Elvis adjacent character, Drexel. Drexel the Dream Hemsley. The Dream Hemsley. He's riding it, in the back of a limo. You know that's him because it says his name underneath him. He's very Elvis-like. Very Elvis-like. Like he's got like sort of plush suits on. He's got the longish hair that Elvis would have had in the he's 70s. Got a cocktail in his hand. Yeah. Like in the right away, it's kind of obvious. You're, this here's guy's your man. Elvis, yeah. right? You know. He fever dreams black sharecroppers yes. picking cotton out in the fields. With his mother. W- then we find a white woman picking the one white hairs. woman, which was his mother. Yes, and this is his mother. Long push in on her as she makes eye contact with the camera. He makes eye contact back by does the lowers his sunglasses and looks out the window. That's how our movie opens. Yes, in, it's just going back to his imagination, which is narrated by a different character. Yes, we have that all being narrated by not Drexel the Dream Hemsley, Nobody nor his met. eventually fake stillborn brother. <laughs> Someone who we do not meet until a good 20, 30 minutes into the film. <laughs> and uh, who is not a key character. No. And also not a storyteller. No. Not, really no, nothing, no reason, not a journalist, or no reason for it to... And speaks absolute gibberish. Gibberish. The like, words, I have some stuff in here that is like... It's my, this is how the fucking movie opens. <laughs> this is how it opens. We've had the 72 to 1935. Yes. The white into woman a in memory the, yep. narrated by someone else who is not important. <laughs> We are 90 seconds into the movie. <laughs> so the uh, white woman in the field turns out to be Mama Hensley. Uh, she is giving birth to twin babies and is a part of a poor sharecropper family. And this is now in black and white. But now, yeah, it's olden times. That's how you know we're in the past. We're in the past. You know that uh, they these babies are uh, a blessing, but also a financial burden because the way the father caresses them then looks pained around. Yes. Like, oh my God, he hears cha-chings as yeah. he sees these babies. So he goes to a tent revival. At the uh, revival, we're hearing a sermon from Reese Wade, executive producer and actor in the movie, Ray Liotta, who is giving a sermon. I don't know if he's what you call him, father, bishop, deacon. Preacher. He's a traveling preacher. He's a traveling preacher. Yeah, he's an apostle. His wife, Louise, is sitting in the front row, and she's played by Ashley Judd. Yep. 
And Reese is apparently giving uh, a sermon from the book of my wife is not good at being pregnant. <laughs> he, he really calls her out as infertile. He just... Right in front of everyone. It's like, and my wife also, she can't have a baby. I still believe in God. So Now, y'all know my wife's innards don't work, right? <laughs> y'all know she's barren as the desert, right? <laughs> He takes the church to the these, inner workings of what's strangers. Not, yes. <laughs> oh, all strangers. and it's a multiracial. It's really inclusive it, for 1931 for Alabama. For 1930 Alabama, in rural for, Alabama. For any so he's telling everybody how his wife, uh, her, there's no buns in her oven. Um, again, he almost says. Um, and this gives Papa Hemsley, who's standing in the back, an idea. Yeah. Well, you you forgot to mention the overarching message. Hmm. Of the preacher's sermon, which is, it's better to give yeah. than to receive. Right. So he's thinking, I'm going to give away these babies. <laughs> I'm going to give away babies. <laughs> I'm giving away these babies. Not both, just one. Well, at first he wants to give away both. Oh, is that right? No, at first he wants to give away both. And then he remember he talks to his wife and she's like, what? No, that's crazy. And then he's like, okay, one. And she's like, oh. She's adamant right? she's not giving away a baby for like 10 seconds. For like, yeah. But it's like, she agreed to it really. It was like one of those like... Have an extra slice of cake. It's like, oh no, no, we have a whole, we have a ton of it. All right, yeah. a little piece, you know, like it was that level of like resistance. So we know she's changed her mind because the next day the Wades are pulling up at their house. They come in, they meet this this poor family with their twin babies. There's a little bit of threes company, uh, mix them up hijinks when they think they're going to ask for money when they're trying to hem and haw and tell them. It's great because like. The reason they want to give away the babies is because the father can't find work. No. They're young. They have no means at all. So they're like, we're not going to be able to feed these babies. So they're determined to give away the babies, right? Then Ray Liotta and Ashley Judd come over, and Ray Liotta actually tries to they're give tr- him money. Tries to, to give him money. Here, this will help. Like, here, here's actual money. And he's like, no, too proud. Too <laughs> proud. Take a baby. Take, take the, a baby before I am you not go. taking your money, sir, but you are taking this baby. <laughs> like, that was how hard it was. And he even repeats to Ray Liotta, like, you said it was better to give than receive. Yeah. It's like. He didn't mean babies. No, and Ray Liotta's like, oh, Gucci, like, you got me on that envelopes one. Envelopes of money, things oh. like that, not babies. You used my sermon against you me. You used it against me. My words have been used against me. I am sufficiently cowed. <laughs> I will take your baby. <laughs> so um, they make a plot device promise not to tell the child that he's adopted. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the only Forever. reason. Or these, until they both dead. Or these strangers dead. trust the shit out of yes. each other with this. They do. They hold a fake funeral because they don't want to admit that they gave a child to strangers. And that's where we kind of see the tie into Elvis's twin brother, exactly, Jesse, buried yeah. on, on the, the or shack. So these two twin brothers now gone their separate way. One yep. has gone off to Tennessee yep. to be with his preacher father. Yep. And the other is staying back home. We do not stay with the family back home. We no. actually follow Ryan Wade for the rest of the story. Drexel the Dream Hemsley. Rises to superstardom, sort of. He'll pop kind of, in again. He'll, he pops in and out, but he's sort of happening in the background. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he's he's to Ryan, he's a a celebrity. Yeah. So we cut to ten years later. Ryan is obsessed with music. Church, not so much. Religion is not his calling because as the children are reciting sermons and proverbs. Ryan cannot get his shit together in unless church. he sings it. Unless he sings ah. it, he gets the notion to sing it. And how he sings it, 
like Justin Bieber or someone yeah. like The Voice. No, I mean, and that's like a story that someone would tell in their voice audition. Like, I was in church and I couldn't remember my songs, and then I sang them. Like, he sings it with f- that million notes a minute, warbling and breathy. No, like, he would never have heard anyone singing this way. Right? No, and, and he just channels the proverb or the sermon. This All way. of the music sounds totally era inappropriate and this this is a decade spanning story no matter what decade it is wrong like the music is wrong like when it's in the 70s it's still wrong 50s wrong 30 it's all wrong right actually they play flat and scrugs i guess in the (laughs) that happens in the 50s though god damn it never mind all right we uh we cut again another 10 years later uh and we have a few more scenes of showing how ryan Ryan's musical leanings have progressed and how his calling to the church has not. We see uh, 40-somethings, Seth Green and Blake Rain. <laughs> they're at a black... Playing <laughs> they're teenager. playing young 20s or teenagers. They're at a black club enjoying black music that sounds like it's trying to be 50s music but failing miserably. Yeah, again, it's that Smokey Joe's Cafe oh, shit. It's you know? overproduced. It's, it's, it's a Broadway. It's yes. Broadway rock and roll. Yeah. It's just it's totally fake. They're in there, which gives, leads me to another question. Like with all the Elvis stuff, like I mean, are the filmmakers actually fans of Elvis? Because they don't seem to like have any regard for his music at no. all. And the Drexel, the dream character, is seen as kind of a shitty dude. Yeah, you right. Know what I mean, yeah, like, we'll get to that. I feel like they really hate Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> stick it to this guy. So in which case, this movie is not as inept as we thought. It is quite good. <clears throat> at shitting on Elvis. <laughs> Just to really drive home the point of how the church isn't calling him, but it, the music is, there's a shot of him in church sitting with his mother, and it's Forrest Gump style, the way he's sitting and looking out the window. Like... <laughs> unaware that his dad's giving a sermon until his mother jostles him awake back to reality. Uh, what? Huh? We're in church? <laughs> Cut to them back at the, the club again, and uh, everybody's camp dancing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the biggest conceit. When we watched uh, Grudge Match, the biggest conceit was like these two old men just really aren't good at boxing. This guy is not good. Oh, yeah. He can't dance. He can't sing. And Blake Rain, I mean, he really has like no screen presence whatsoever. I mean, if you think of Elvis Presley, I mean, he slept walked through a lot of his movies, but he has a raw energy. He has a raw screen presence. He has a sexual magnetism. You know who does not have a sexual magnetism or a raw energy? Blake Rain. Blake Rain. This guy moves like Frankenstein on the dance floor. <laughs> he is Elvis's so hips such would swim. And the movie makes a big deal about how his dancing is like changing the world. You know what I mean? Like again, Forrest Gump dancing for Elvis Presley. With and how do we races. know that he's a, such a great dancer, such a, a great singer? Because we meet our narrator. And she is just agog staring Jenny. at him at this club. Jenny, the other Who is also from Forrest Gump. What is with this Forrest? It's very oh Forrest Gump. She's the only other white spot at this club. <laughs> um, he gets dragged on stage. She's staring. Well, first she's staring at him. And the, the soundtrack might as well just went sploosh. Because uh-huh. this girl is swimming in her she's, seat. Yeah, at she is. She cannot have enough of this Blake Rain. Of this, sorry, of this uh, Ryan Wade. Right. So fine acting. Yeah. Right? Oh, great. Because she had to bring it all. Yeah. yeah. Blake she's Rain was a lot doing of nothing. Yeah. Uh, he plays a song called <clears throat> Boogie Woogie Rock and Roll. Guitar picking with lots of soul. Uh, which people inexplicably respond to positively. You, you uh, can't like this song. It's awful. You it's can't. awful. Uh, Jenny says it's um, 
a main part of the birth of rock and roll, which is crazy because as as it turns out, it was only seen by like those few people there. Like there's Ryan Wade, like did not become a, uh, well. I'm not giving it away, but like no one there like would have. It wouldn't have become a birth of rock and roll moment. That's what's so fucking nuts about this movie. That's the birth of rock and roll. Yet at the same time, Elvis was doing the same Elvis thing. Elvis was doing Ripping it. off black artists. <laughs> Drexel <laughs> was so doing Drexel the Dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did we forget to mention Elvis Presley exists in this he universe? He exists in this world. Where an Elvis avatar named Drexel the Dream Hensley and his fake twin brother also exist. And they have so many similarities to the Elvis legend. It's... Uh... Okay, so... This is some fucking being John Malkovich layers of shit, dude. The cops come in to bust it up, and it's a black club in the American South in the 50s, And so he smells hootie weed. He smells hootie weed. I swear the cop says, what do we have here? <laughs> Everything is so cliched, man. Oh, it's awful. Um, the uh, pastor, uh, Imam Reese Wade, comes to pick up his son <laughs> after the club gets busted. The pastor, the mun, like man of God in this movie, tells his son... Yes, this is wrong. Racism is wrong. But this ain't our fight. Yeah, not our fight. <laughs> not yet. Jeez, Whatever wow. the fuck that means. Like, he pres- presaged the 60s. Yeah, he's somehow new. Yeah, but it's not our fight, not yet. He, I mean, he's he knows it's wrong, but he ain't going to do shit about it. Yeah, exactly. But he d- is going to tell him what his fight is, and his fight is apparently Korean people, because he sends him to war. Go to join the army. <laughs> Makes his son Which join the army. Elvis also joined the army, of yeah. course, right? And, and th- there's a scene in the army that is... My favorite fucking this scene This is like the, the scene that is actually out of an Elvis Presley movie that would have been made in the 60s, yep. right? Because he's sitting on top of a Jeep, like, serenading soldiers. It's a straight-up musical number. Yes, in an empty motor pool. In an empty motor pool. There's Soldiers ten... just sitting around, just like, can't believe it. <laughs> They're all, I mean, it's complete drivel what he's singing, but they're all just loving it. And then, like, the, the hard-ass sergeant comes in and is like, what is this? And they're all, no, it's the sergeant. And the sergeant's like, play another one. <laughs> Whoops. And then he does. He and does. it's like, that is just straight out of, like, it's super cornball, but it's straight out of, like, what an Elvis movie is. And it almost made me think, like, this is what the movie should have been. Because right. otherwise, Blake Rain has, like, again, no charisma. He doesn't, like, the movie goes in all these religious places that yeah. make no sense and maybe we should talk about that because the camp factor should have been turned way up way up way right up. or just have a point of view like that try yeah. to actually recreate an elvis movie instead but like it's going for a message well we'll try to decipher the message but i don't know if it is decipherable and it's a bit of a hint the narrator then says one of the most baffling bits of dialogue she says Fate, DNA, or the Lord had other plans for Ryan Wade. <laughs> One of the three. Fate or the Lord. Or Come DNA. On. DNA got in there somehow. <laughs> Some DNA, yeah, right? This is like a black light. This place is covered in DNA. <laughs> or fate or the Lord. It's one of the three on these sheets. But this is a very and then type of plot. Like, and mm-hmm. then twins were born to poor people, and then they gave them up, and then he's in Korea. And yeah, it's back. extremely episodic. Yeah. So around this time, he meets Joey Pants. Who, this is the second time that the soundtrack should have went sploosh. <laughs> right? Because he has such a hard on He too. has such a hard on for him. He's, he's Avi Hersberg. Because he, he's like a Drexel the Dream. Drexel the Dream Hemsley by this point has become essentially Elvis. Yeah. Although Elvis, again, exists also. Yeah. Fucking wrap your heads around that shit. Nobody talks about Elvis yet, though. They're only talking about Drexel. No, Elvis is mentioned like once. Yeah, later on. Offhand. I don't want to confuse people. But yes, Drexel, Drexel the Dream Hemsley, huge star, 
overnight sensation, becomes a gigantic international rock star. And his biggest fan is Avi Hirschberg, who has to hire Ryan Wade for some reason. Just like, I want to hire you. Yeah. What? It will not take no for an No, answer. it will not take no. And uh, but Ryan backs down. He's got a delivery job. And uh, who coincidentally has to now deliver flowers to a hospital where coincidentally Drexel the Dream Hemsley's. his old flame Jenny also works. She works there, so like reconnect there. Who coincidentally she lets it drop. Drexel the Dream Hemsley's. I'm going to say his whole name every time. Mama is dying. Upstairs. She's croaking it upstairs, yeah. right? I mean, it's like bam, two birds with one stone. Good thing you turned down the Joey Pants job. Right? <laughs> you never would have met your dying mother. But don't worry, the Joey Pants job's open anytime you want it. So he uh, very disgustingly sneaks a look at which room she's in to go visit a. He, huge he does not know this is his mother. This yeah. is a, a FedEx dude. Right. He just showed up at a hospice and he's like, Who's dying today? Let me check this out. So Angel of Death style, he goes in to watch somebody <laughs> he die. He's like, Never seen anyone croak before. <laughs> Sings to her. Oh, she recognizes him. She says his birth name. I forget what it is at this time. Not Ryan. Yeah. Uh, oh, Engelbert. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and he sings to her as she croaks it right there uh, in the bed. And then the voiceover, something in Ryan died that day. <laughs> something died in me something. 90 seconds into this movie. <laughs> uh, Joey Pants. Uh, oh, Ryan takes up the job at the mechanic's office. Or mechanic's office. Digs up the job at the garage with Joey Pants. He's broken with his father at this point, too, who is insisting that he follow the calling yeah, or he... receive the call. And Ryan does not hear the call. Nope. He does comes not clean. hear the call. So he kind of moves into uh, an adulthood where he's, you know, sort of happy, I guess, right? Like, he's, he's, he's not unhappy. No, he's not unhappy. He's living with Jenny. He's got a job working for Joey Pants. Drexel the Dream Hemsley has also uh, made a beach movie where he has recorded the song Sunrise Surfing. Oh, my God. Which is, like, I think the only surfing song to ever actually spell surfing I-N-G. <laughs> they all are, like, surfing I and apostrophe birds, surfing. No one's like, let's go surfing. <laughs> Everybody's surfing now. Everyone's surfing now. <laughs> surfing. Surfing. And this movie, it knows... The notes it wants to hit, but it doesn't really approach it. It it shows you the uh, the surfing movie as if it's the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure when they're going through all the movie lots, <laughs> yeah, right? I know, but not even like that. It's that. It's so cheap. <laughs> no, like it's the opposite of uh, like Walk Hard. Like you know, Walk Hard at the uh, John C. Riley yeah. movie. It's so good at like capturing all these different eras and stuff. And yeah. it's like oh, they really put some thought into how that album cover is going to look. No thought, none at all, put into any of the of those kind of pop culture elements in the identical. But you know what pop culture reference it does hit, courtesy of our second Chiron, the Six Days War, the Six Day War, absolutely <laughs> out of nowhere, Israel we, Syria, baby. We get stock footage of Israel and Syria <laughs> going to war, and a very. I don't mean, I want to get too into the politics of this. Right. But I would say Ashley Judd gives a, a very slanted take oh, on, yeah. on what the Six-Day War was, which and is apparently poor Israel was just got attacked for no reason right. by Buddhist all, monk all Muslim nations. Wade, whatever his title is, is <laughs> leading his church into a pro-Israel speech. There's a menorah in the background. There's all this collection for Israel stuff. This is a southern church yeah. in the 50s and in the early 60s now. 
And uh, they are just like, we got to give all our money to Israel. We got to raise it up. And that's where I was first like, what is going on like, here? What with is this? even the what? motivation with this movie? And, it, you know, I, so I went and looked at, if you look at the screenwriter, the screenwriter, you know, the director has no other credits. None. Obviously, Ashley Judd, Ray Liotta, they're, you know, big movie stars. Blake Rain has no other credits. The writer, however, has several uh, religious themed yeah. films to his credit. We should say their city of peace is the company that produces yes. and releases. They did Kirk Cameron's war on Chris or saving Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, fire. What is it? Fire- Fireproof. Fireproof. Very pro Christian. It's, it's a religious company. The, the, which religion? I'm not sure. There's like a very evangelical strong... Christian, I assume, but very pro Israel. But that has a pro Israel. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about religion. I think there is a pro Israel slant to yeah. evangelical Christianity. Which is whatever, but it's just so shoehorned into this movie. Yeah. And, like, there are... I mean, obviously, besides the preacher father, there are a number of other, like, really strong religious elements, right? There's all this talk about the call. Yeah. God's call. Yep. There's the resurrection element, right? There's a death that doesn't actually happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, the baby death. The uh, preacher father, the... Child pledged to God. Um, there's a quote at the end that is like extremely religious, but I, I, I honestly like I have no idea like why those elements exist in this movie or like what they're what that has to do with Elvis. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or like what like what it has to do like it's just like I, I I don't know enough about theology or enough about evangelical Christianity to even unpack like what exactly is the message here. Yeah. I don't know. What is the point of view? It, it it's only further muddied later when they dis- discuss his chai, the necklace he wears. Yes, because <laughs> as it turns out, he's half Jewish. His mother was Jewish, <laughs> right? La reveal magnifico. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're now in the late sixties, okay? And uh, we get to he runs into Seth Green. His, he runs into his cousin. Who now all of a sudden is talking like his character from Can't Hardly Wait. He's got very much like, oh, man, what you doing back here, man? He's got long hair. He's in a band. Ryan is convinced to do his Drexel impersonation bit for a contest. There's a big contest. His wife is for it. But Woe Biscuits, the man himself is going to be there. Drexel Hemsley is going to be there. So Ryan Wade wins like the the regionals, right? Like we see him win the regionals. And then there's like the big national contest. And Drexel the Dream Hemsley is going to be one of the judges yep. at the big national contest. The prize for this Drexel impersonation contest is fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand. This is nineteen seventy, buddy. <laughs> like that is in a rural fun. Tennessee. <laughs> this is in Tennessee. <laughs> And none of these performers on stage are under fifty uh, during this. You got to watch this. These, uh, it's... or is this in Alabama? Because is this where he comes back? No, I think it's. I oh, think they're still in Tennessee. I mean, this movie is confusing. Yeah, this. I, I, we were in Israel for a while. <laughs> we were in Israel, right? Like we were just like in the middle of it. I want to kind of go through a little bit of what happens at the at the finals. Go for it. of the Drexel the Dream Hemsley impersonator contest because it, the way that the 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 sequence is edited is utterly insane. We were sort of intercutting between Ryan Wade who is getting ready backstage. He knows he's going to be last. He's already found out he's going to perform last at the show. We're sort of cutting between Drexel who is coming to the show and the other people who are performing at the show. Yeah. Okay, like the other performers. So it will cut to one guy performing, and then we'll see Drexel in the car. Cut to the next performer. Drexel's getting out of the car. Cut to the next performer. Drexel's walking up towards the 
music hall. And this is like in a high school gymnasium. This is, this is, yeah, this is like a gymnasium at. or something like that. 50 grand yeah, on the line. On the line. This is for reals. So then cuts in each performer, he kind of gets a little bit closer to his seats. He, you know, you cut to like the next to last performer and he sits down at the table. Then Ryan Wade comes on, the last performer, performs the song that uh, Drexel the Dream Hemsley's mother loved so much. Right. Absolutely kills it. And Drexel the Dream Hemsley stands up and says, that's the winner. I'm out of here. He leaves. (laughs) That was the one performance that he watched. (laughs) That was the only performance. <laughs> He's the fucking judge. <laughs> like, honestly, there's, he does not watch any other of the performers. He's walking, we see him walking in yeah. the entire time. And it's supposed to be like, holy shit, the real Drexel the Dream Hemsley just said, that's the guy who's going to be me. Yeah. And which lands Ryan Wade. A lucrative contract to be a Drexel the Dream Hemsley impersonator. Called the identical. And they would call him the identical. Yeah. Because he's identical to Drexel the Dream Hemsley. This guy's it making... It just kills me that he didn't watch anyone else. No. That is such a gross <laughs> lack of responsibility. Like, they said he agreed to be a judge. <laughs> Corky, he agreed to be a judge. 50 grand was online for $50, every contestant. <laughs> $50,000 and apparently a lucrative touring contract that leads to a recording contract. Yeah. This is like in modern money, millions of dollars. Yeah. And he's just like, the one guy I saw, I'm out of here. I'm back in my limo. Done. Done hanging Drexel with the norms. Out. <laughs> Drexel Dream out. Boosh. Oh, that fucking that whole that whole sequence is bananas. So this kind of takes us into the final part of the movie where Ryan Wade achieves fame yeah. as Drexel the Dream. <laughs> as Hemsley, Drexel the Dream. Who actually uh dies in a plane crash. Soon after, yeah, this was so. But first, he does the scene where he goes back to his home. Uh, so that's when he goes back. Yeah, when he goes back he to goes his home, back home, kneels down at his brother's grave, puts his hand on his brother's grave, and says, "Why you and not me?" The real story is like, man, Drexel Hem, the Dream Hemsley. Yeah, very tortured soul. Maybe being having everything isn't no. God, you have Ryan nothing. Wade, you spoil a little. So he's got a manager who is not really pro Ryan Wade playing his own music at these shows. Ryan wants to be his own artist, be his own man, follow his own dreams. He's getting huge. Fans love him. This guy is... He is somehow making a very... He's making a ton of money by being a Drexel the Dream Hemsley impersonator. The most lucrative... Like a ton of money. Impersonator gig gets you like a New Year's gig, right? (laughs) They make it clear he is living high off of the Drexel the Dream Hemsley bit. The Beatles... Which probably only goes up once... uh, Which only goes up once... Once he dies. Hemsley dies, right? I didn't even think of that. all that's left. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's he's like, that's not enough. I want to record my own stuff. And this is where the manager references Elvis. This is how we know Elvis exists in this world. Because he says, you're not the Beatles, you're not the Rolling Stones, and you're not Elvis. Which fucking killed me. I couldn't believe it, because apparently Elvis, Elvis was alive the whole time. Why is anybody... And was never like, wow, no. this guy is so similar to me. The odds that these stories would all... <laughs> would all still happen. That the birth of rock and roll would happen three separate times with three very closely named people. Yeah. Drexel Helmsley, Elvis Presley, they all look alike, they all sound alike. 
Well, I mean, we never see a picture of Elvis Presley from this universe, so maybe he has, like, horns or something, because, like, this is, like, butterfly effects. It's like, he's evolved in a whole different way. I didn't even think, maybe it's a different Elvis Presley. Maybe their Elvis Presley was, like, Jimi Hendrix. Exactly, right? And then just, like, ice cream tastes like cake. And blue is actually red. (laughs) Everything is fucked in this world. People give away babies. So, so to talk a little bit about his, his interaction with the producer... He's again. Remember, this is he is only known as a Drexel the Dream Hemsley impersonator. He's not even really known by his name. He's known as the Identical. Yeah. Okay. There's there's nothing else, right? And he goes to his manager, his agent, and says, "I want to start performing my original material. Can you imagine? You go to see a fucking Elvis impersonator, and the guy gets up there and is like, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to do any of Elvis' songs today.'" I'm going to do some of my own stuff, right? Like, the crowd isn't going to be hostile to that. <laughs> They're just like, we're here to support the arts. The Elvis aspect was not key. What we really want is to support the arts. Original material only. Who goes to any, even like an, a band, you wouldn't be like, play new songs. Yeah, never They're actually saying like, play non-Drexel the Dream. Like, I only came... <laughs> To hear Drexel the Dream Hemsley songs. Like, I just like standing. I did. We wanted to get out of the house. It doesn't matter. Play whatever. That was literally the only reason any of them bought tickets to the show. Right. The only reason. But Ryan Wade insists, I want to do my own material. The agent says no, and he says, you know what? I'm out of here. Ryan Wade, goodbye. Meal ticket, later. Meal ticket, done. Fired by his manager. He has a crisis of faith. We did forget to mention Ryan's song, City Lights, which is a <laughs> song that it? is intended. <laughs> did we forget? It's it? unforgettable. It's intended to be his breakthrough, and eventually does become his breakthrough. Spoiler alert. There's this, like literally nothing Elvis-ish, Elvis nothing. about the song. Like It actually sounds like something that like Dirk Diggler would have recorded like a little later in his career, right? Like yeah. After he matured a little bit, you know? Feel, feel, <laughs> like, feel, feel like, that was That's like third album Dirk Diggler <laughs> stuff. It's like, come on. After him and Chess split. He, he grew yeah right he grew up no but i think that whole scene is a commercial for city of peace which yeah the city of peace is the name of the record and the guy in that scene watching those scenes you get the idea you're like okay this is somebody behind the scenes that put themselves in this you're even less professional of an actor than blake rain he's one of the writers directors sub rain that guy sub rain acting oh yeah and this is where we actually we get to i kind of jumped the gun this is where the plane crash happens because uh jenny narrates and she says It all came to a head one September morning. Actually, everything came to a head that day. So everything and all things. She needs to point out that both both everything and all came to a head on that day. The day that Drexel died. Yeah. The day. (laughs) Died in a plane crash. Moving on. His dad has a heart attack. Dad has a heart attack. He gets a letter. Is there a letter? Oh, he, he has a letter. He finds from his the real letter. father. Yes, he, he finds the letter. the letter from his real father that explains everything. Yeah, it's not supposed to be given until his death. The real father is not dead yet, as we find out. But yeah, he finds it. He breaks with uh, Ray Liotta is doing a really bad southern accent in this. Oh, movie. it's the worst. <laughs> so, and he's wearing a ton of old age makeup, which is like really ugly. The, uh, yeah, he's aged a ton. Ashley Judd looks Ashley great. Ashley Judd very well preserved. His accent <laughs> goes from Alabama to Mississippi, takes a left, <laughs> heads over to South Texas, back up Oklahoma, Wisconsin for a little bit, and then back down. 
So he leaves his family. He won't visit his dad in the hospital, and he goes to the bar. Yeah, and then that eventually leads him to Drexel the Dream Hemsley's boyhood home, where anyone could just like walk around touching shit. Apparently, there's like a docent in there, and she's just like in another room, like not watching anything. He like walks into the bedroom, is like grabbing the furniture. Yeah, like, it's a it's a touching it's, things. It's like, popular enough site where there's a docent there's sitting a there, full time docent, but nobody's there. No one's there. <laughs> There's like no park, no signage, no parking no lot, no parking. It's open hours, but she's just chick- open hours, it. no ropes. I mean, she grab, probably just lives there rent free. Grab whatever you want, honestly. And then who's the other visitor that day? Drexel the Dream Hemsley's pa, <laughs> Papa Hemsley, aka Ryan Wade's pa, who we last saw in black and white in the thirties. As a different actor, yeah, as a different no actor. old age makeup for that guy. Now no. he is Chris Mulkey. Is that his name? Chris Mulkey, yeah, from Twin Peaks. I know him as the guy from season two of Justified. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> he's the guy from season whatever of every show. Yeah, he's a he's a one of those guys. And Ryan sends sidles up behind him, gives him a little bit of comfort, and then they have a moment where they're like, I'm your son, right? Right. And they reconcile and like super easily. Thanks for like giving me away, Dad. Like he's just so happy to see him. He's just no, like the, whatever, it, you know, water under the bridge. You know, the baby giving away. Drexel was a star two decades after they gave away this child. They had money to go <laughs> yeah. find this kid. There was no reason. There was nothing. no reason. Embarrassment, I guess. He says, "Well, can you forgive me?" And uh, another strong Christian, "You are already forgiven. You know that." Ugh. Like so easy. Yes. So, like so easy. I mean. Good for you with the piousness, but he might as well. That was too easy. He died for our sins, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's got bumper sticker dialogue. Seriously, this is the point where I said, "Holy shit, what am I watching?" So it's like everybody else in this movie, because that dad goes for it. I mean, it's like everybody, he's blind and crying at his son's grave. Yeah. It's like everybody in this movie dialed it up a million because yeah. Ryan, the guy, Blake Rain is such an awful They're fucking like, yeah, person. He's got nothing. I got to really bring in this And scene. again, if it was camped up like that, it would be great. Yeah. Drexel, no, sorry, Drexel's dead. Ryan Wade reconciles with his real father, yeah. also reconciles with fake father. Big twist, everything just turns out fine for no reason. He's, remember that whole issue with performing his own material, but also being Drexel the Dream Hemsley on stage? That is not a problem anymore for no reason. For no reason. Nothing happens. There's not a scene with the agent where he's like, oh my God, people love that city lights so much. You were right, I was wrong. Nothing. He's just like, the next time you see him, he's like doing his own, he's singing city lights as Drexel the Dream Hemsley on stage. It's such an and then plot. And then he's just singing. And then it's just fine, right? Like he found God, so everything was okay. One of his backup singers at the end of his big concert is the contest. Or a lot of the backup singers are the contestants that were in the Drexel <laughs> were they? in the Drexel competition from the seventies. <laughs> his wife is pregnant on stage, dancing along, and then she says the final line. Oh God, you, I give it to you. I guess it's true. If he is in our dreams, no one can stand against them. That's it. So, like, <laughs> he was in his dreams, and so that's why all of the immovable problems were suddenly resolved. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Then, when during the credits, we get old style home movies run of a nice Chris Monica because it's Christmas morning, but they got a Hanukkah. Uh, and this is where I found executive producer Ray Liotta, which was I thought was just amazing. Is he? Is he religious? Ray Liotta, I think he just likes money, and thought, probably thought this was. If he good. likes money, why was he? He did not back the right horse. Did not back the right horse <laughs> because the identical. And I got some facts right here. Yeah. Grossed. I could not find any budget information, but the film grossed under three million dollars. 
in its first weekend? No. Total. Despite being released in 2,000 theaters. Wow. This was a wide release movie. In 2014. Wide release. Released in September 2014. It holds a 6 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And a 25 a very generous 25 on Metacritic. And just to remind everybody, the way we rate these movies are as follows. Dares, movies that are just really tough to sit through. Double dares, movies you would not recommend to anybody at, under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. And reverse dares, which are movies we actually kind of like. For whatever reason, we found something enjoyable in them, and we would recommend you watch them. I thought it was fine. What did you think? It's a dare. It's a, No, it's not. It's a double dare. It's a dare. It's absolutely atrocious. It's almost so bad it's good. Almost so bad it's good. It, <sighs> yeah, right? I don't... I, I it, It's definitely more fun talking about it than watching it. Exactly. I, I, I hope everyone was entertained by this, but do not get the impression that the identical is entertaining. Because no. like the actual process of sitting through this movie was very laborious. I think I actually stopped it a couple times to like... Rub your temples. Go, go take a walk or something. Phone your mother. It's like, I'm really bored. Remember what's important in life. It's super boring. And it's really, like, it's just so poorly constructed. You know, it's just yeah. one of those movies where the the story is just arranged in such an idiotic way that, that it, it actually feels longer and slower than it is, you know, because... You you just can never like get a groove on the narrative. You no. know, you, you never get into the movie at any point. And again, what the what the what was the point of the movie? It's a religious message. That's all it is. It's a religious message. That's, I mean, that is like the that's the main part of it, right? Yeah. Like the Elvis stuff is not really important. To it's that. like it's they have a religious trappings. message they want to do. They f- see a guy who's religious and he likes kind of looks like Elvis. They spin this weird narrative. And then they figure, okay, we'll try to sell some records too. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they, they thought of the angle of like sort of the, the the baby who is, you know, dead. Yeah. But essentially resurrected. Yeah. As like an interesting, you know, Christianity metaphor, right? As some sort of religious metaphor. And we're like, well, let's just roll with that. Yeah. Right? Because again, like they obviously don't really care about Elvis at all. I don't no. think they like I would be, I would be surprised if like the makers of this movie liked Elvis on anything. Like I don't even think the they like superficial level. They don't like music either. No, I mean the music is like it's not just the songs in the movie either. The score is utter drivel. Yeah. It is just just horrifying to listen to. There's nothing likable in this movie, and yet it's not bad enough to be likable. Exactly as a as a goof, which makes it a perfect Dear Daniel movie because yep. we're watching the movies, so our listeners don't have to. All right, that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back next episode as we watch the Netflix first big-budget release, Bright, starring Will Smith as a cop and Joel Edgerton as his hilariously mismatched partner and orc. Uh, In the meantime, send us your most sadistic movie dares. Uh, You can read more of my film reviews at newsreview.com. You can read my craft beer column at sackb.com. Corky, where can people find your work? I'm performing at the Sacramento Comedy Spot weekly, Fridays and Saturday nights. Come on down, comedyspot.com calendar. What do you say we play out this episode with a little bit of City Lights? See you next week, folks. City lights keep on shining Reminds me of the love we knew City lights keep on shining See you smiling as a blue City lights keep on shining Reminds me of a